Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Hallelujah. Yesterday, uh, when Vernice was preparing the flowers, she said she'd be praying for me because she realized that this is the First Mother Day that I'm experiencing without mine. She would normally be sitting right there for the past 20 plus years. Mother has always come here. So today I wear white in memory of her. I, I remember long ago, Harry, when Mother Day, people wear rose. A red rose if your mother was still alive. And a white rose if she had transitioned on. So that's the reason I'm wearing the white today. And in honor of the fact that uh, for those who have lost mother, now I can empathize with you. For those that still have her, this message is for you to encourage you to treat your mother special. Father, in Jesus' name, I do give thanks for the time that I had my mother and for the memories that I now share. I thank you for the spiritual mothers, those that are yet alive, like Mama B and Mama Bird, and many of those who I've lost in New Pine Grove as well. So let this message be of an encouragement, even though it may seem to be somewhat negative, that you will be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that I do ask. Amen. Mother misuse. The word misuse can be defined in two ways, as a verb and as a noun. As a verb, the word means doing something the wrong way or for a wrong purpose. As a noun, the word means wrongly or improperly uh, use of something or someone. And both of these definitions is going to apply to this text today. As we continue our theme in biblical interpretation, you need to understand that a parallel passage of this event is also in Mark 1035. When comparing the two versions, it's obvious that there are some distinct differences. Differences that many Bible critics use to discredit the validity of the Word of God. In these two passages, you're going to find there are three main characters. 
James, John, and their mother. Now here comes a difference. In Matthew's account, the mother was the spokesperson for her two sons. In Mark version, James and John, not their mother, was the actual one who made the request. Brothers, yes, this is where hermeneutics is important. Jeff defined uh, hermeneutics as a branch of theology that deals with interpretation of the written text from a literary point of view that's in the Bible. One well-known theologian by the name of Schaefer lists four major rules of biblical interpretation. Number one, Schaefer says, interpret according to grammar. And by that, he means words, idiom, and language. And I need to take a little time to break this down. Words that we use today are not the same words that maybe was used even 10 years ago. Sweet does not necessarily mean taste. Tight does not necessarily mean pressure. Cool does not necessarily mean temperature in today's language. Now, idioms are exaggerations of certain sorts to bring about a point. For instance, it's raining cats and dogs would be an idiom. Language, if you are not familiar with biblical language, there are three languages that the Bible were written in, and none of them is English. So we have to really interpret according to grammar. The second principle that Schaefer brings out, you got to interpret according to context. Context had to do with time. Now, I mentioned earlier about how Mother's Day would be dressed some 30 years ago. Or maybe I go back longer than that, Harry, maybe 60 years ago. As you can see today, I see very few roses on people. So time has changed us. In addition to time, there's a cultural difference. Women now wear certain things that they didn't wear long ago, which was considered taboo. Sister Candace would be out of order as well as Sister Judine by wearing red in the church. That was a cultural thing. As well as customs. There are certain customs that we adhere to that may be applicable only to our time. For instance, wearing the hats on a certain day is a custom that may not apply next Sunday. We'll see how many of y'all wear hats next Sunday. And the setting. The setting and the surrounding has to do with a lot of different things. Now you have restrooms to go to. You are in here, but back then, that setting, they didn't have. I was raised up as a young man going to Jonesboro, Georgia, and having experience with an outhouse. That was a setting of that time. Now, when I say outhouse today, many of the people don't know what I'm talking about. And if you never experienced an outhouse, thank God that you never experienced one. Schaefer also said, number three, we need to interpret according to author's purpose. What is the necessity of his writing? Why did he write it? And fourthly, 
And something that you did today, brother, brothers, interpreting scriptures according to scriptures. You examine them, you make explanation based on what other scriptures have said. Now, according to Matthew 27, 56, and Mark 16, 1, James and John's mother was named Salome. She was one of the women listed in the Bible who faithfully followed Jesus. But here's what I want you to understand about history and the custom. It's strong evidence, now I want y'all to get this now, that Salome was the sister of Mary, Jesus' mother. Y'all got that? Very strong evidence of this. And if this is true, which I believe it is, that would explain a lot of things and would also help us to make sense of what may appear to be a biblical conflict. Now, y'all got all that? Because what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to use eventually all four of these biblical interpretation methods and in breaking down the particular text that you guys read responsibly. Let's look at the text. In Matthew... Verse 20 of chapter 20. Matthew 20 and 20. Now, I don't see nobody turning the Bible or a pad. I see Deacon Taylor got a book open and Minister Thorpe, Minister Gaben. But that's all right. We thank God for technology, don't we? So let me read from the English Standard Version. It says... Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. Now Matthew here is dealing strictly with the facts. All three of them came. When we look at Mark, Mark is dealing with the motivation behind this act. Now, when we look at the custom, it was customary for a mother to make a special request for her son when relatives were involved. Y'all got me? Now, I want to give y'all an example. Let's go to an example. Let's go to an example that's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verse 1. Many of you Bible scholars are familiar with this one. But it says, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, where was this wedding at? In Cana of Galilee. I want y'all to hold that thought because I'm going to bust some bubbles about some things that's going to be very controversial. It's quite possible that this was a wedding of a family member. In the Jewish culture, people took wedding very seriously. It was a special event. It was a custom and a family tradition. And everyone in the family would be expected to be at the wedding. Y'all got that? But I want you to notice something. Look with me at John 2 and 2. Jesus also was invited to the wedding. Notice what it says. With his 
disciples. This meant that James and John was present. And if they were present, that means they witnessed what would take place later on. Now, if it's true that Salome was Mary's sister, it would stand to reason and make sense that she was there too. So we, we, we have to really think about it. According to custom, it's highly possible that James, John, and Salome was at this wedding. Y'all got that? Now, let's look on in verse 3. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus, not the host, not anybody else, but the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Notice what she didn't do. She didn't say, fix it, son. She said, they have no wine. And Jesus' response was, and Jesus said, woman, what does this have to do with me? The term here, woman, is not derogatory at all. In fact, it's an endearment term. It will be translated today as mother. Some of y'all, if I said mother dear, y'all wouldn't know what I'm talking about. So, mother. And he basically saying that it ain't time for me to do something. Now, why would Mary just assume that Jesus could fix this problem? Y'all hold that thought there. Look at verse 5. His mother said to the servant, do whatever he tells you. Whoa, wait a minute. She said nothing to Jesus other than the fact they ain't got no one. And then she looks at, at the servant and says, do whatever he tells you. Is it possible that Mary knew something about Jesus? Now, now uh, again, hold, hold that thought because I'm going to bust a bubble in a minute. But the situation is this. It appeared that more people attended this wedding than was anticipated. If Greg and Courtney was here, they would understand what I'm talking about. So we went to the wedding yesterday. And since more people attended, they ran out of wine. Hmm. And Mary became concerned as a family member she would. So she made a special request without accent. All she said was, they are one. And Jesus honored his mother's merry request and turned that water into wine, not because he wanted to, but because of his concern for his mother's concern. And it's likely, said James John, and Solomon was there, that this had a profound effect on them. They noticed the devotion that Jesus had upon his mother. Now, let me bust the bubble now. Verse 11 in chapter 2, John. This, the first of his sign, King James may say miracle, Jesus did, notice this, at Cana in Galilee. 
didn't say this was the first miracle. That's the bubbles being bust. It said it was the first miracle at Canaan and Galilee. So apparently Mary had seen something that let her know her son could do this. Hmm. And his disciples believed in him. Now they've been following this man all this time and now all of a sudden they believe. What did they believe? They now was convinced, Jeff, that Jesus was the Messiah. Hold that thought. See, this was the first recorded miracle. It caused a change in the way the disciples looked at Jesus. It was an uh-oh, here we go now. Before then, he was just a great rabbi, teacher, but now we are convinced that he is the Messiah. James and John were profoundly affected because of something that had occurred earlier, which it apparently motivated these two sons to what I'm going to call here as mother misuse. Look with me in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. But keep in mind all these things that I mentioned that came up to this moment. Matthew 19, 28 says, And Jesus said, I truly say unto you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now Jesus was speaking of his kingdom to come. But the disciple misinterpreted Jeff to mean an earthly kingdom. The era, Kalea, caused them to focus on the here and now. Gamers, I know that you know that there were three disciples in Jesus' inner circle. Peter, James, and John. But James and John were relatives. They shared blood with Jesus. So in their minds, when this kingdom came, we ought to get special positions. And before loudmouth Peter say something, we better get our ducks in order. So mama, come with us. Let us go to Jesus and ask a special family favor. Now back to our text, and I'm going to read verse 20 again, because it'll take on a different meaning. Then the mother of the son of Zebedee came up to him with her son, and kneeling before him a, a token of reverence, she asked him for something. And see, he said to her, what do you want? 
And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit. One on the right hand and one on your left hand in your kingdom. Those are the two most highest positions of prestige in any kingdom. James and John desired positions of honor. And perhaps reflecting back on Jesus doing what his mama asked him to do. Said, well, mama got that kind of effect, maybe mama's sister will have that kind of effect on Jesus. So they use Jesus' mama, sister, as a tool for their own ambition. But Jesus' response in verse 22, Jesus now says, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm drinking? Then they said, we're able. Then they said, they have to be James and John. It can't be Solomon. Because Solomon wasn't acting for no seat. She was just acting for her son. So we see all three came. They had mama to speak up. But Jesus knew and he addressed them. You don't know what you're asking. The cup is a symbol of suffering. It is called the bitter cup. The one that Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, take it from me. But Mark at baptism. Baptism is a picture of judgment, but more important for here, identification. In other words, Jesus said, you want to go through what I'm going to go through? And they wanted these two positions so bad, they say, yes! We want to go what you're going through. See, suffering and identification pointing to Jesus' crucifixion. And, and James and John rash reply, we are able, indicated they had confidence in their own strength and own ability. What they meant was this. We're able to go through anything to get what we want for ourselves, including using our mama. Verse 23, Jesus replied, he said to them, you will drink the cup. Again, Mark at you will be baptized. But to sit at my right and my left is not mine to grant. It's for those whom it has been prepared by my father. Jesus knew that James and John was going to suffer. And they didn't suffer because of their selfish desire. They suffered simply because they were disciples of Jesus. James was the first of the twelve people to die a martyr's death being hated by Herod. John was the last survivor who was ostracized and banished and exiled to the Isle of Patmos. But Jesus made it clear that their request could not be granted. 
The honor to sit at my left and my right has already been determined by the sovereign will of my father. So what was the point of them even asking for something they couldn't have? But their action caused a great problem. Y'all hear me now. Because sometimes in our own life, some of the selfish acts of siblings can cause great problems in family. And after 30 years of, 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 of ministry, I can attest I've seen people won't even speak to people after mother ain't here. Don't, don't let me get ahead of myself and get too emotional. But it was a big problem. Jeff was mentioning about family people and how we can go through changes, but I want you to look at Matthew 20, verse 24. And when the ten, somebody say ten, heard it, they were indignant at the, somebody say two, two brothers. We're not told when, how, or where these disciples heard James and John request. Some people say they were right there listening to it. I don't believe that. But they were upset. The word used to describe their feeling is translated as much displeased, much displeased in one version and indignant in another. But the word in the Greek language literally means unwarranted indignation. Unwarranted indignation. Y'all hold that thought just a minute. Because the results was that it split the disciples. Matthew no longer identifies them as the twelve, but now they're the ten and the two. They thought they had a legitimate gripe. How dare these two try to jock and get position in God's kingdom? There are a lot of thoughts and debates about the reason that the twelve, excuse me, the ten was mad because they didn't think of it first. It may be because they didn't have the same connection as James and John. We ain't got an auntie. But regardless, the action of the ten and the two had to hurt Jesus' heart. He was on his way to the cross to give his life for them and for all humanity. And here they are with personal vendetta, allowing it to rise among them. The men that was closest to him fussing and fighting. Somebody read between the lines on that one. Look at what Jesus said. You see, Jesus corrected the ten and the two because they both had misconstrued the nature of the kingdom. Verse 25 said, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentile 
lord it over them. That's the world, y'all. And the great one exercised authority over them. It shall not be so among you. You ain't the Gentiles. You ain't the world. You are Christians. But whosoever shall be great among you must be your servants. Jesus was emphatic when he stated that this type of hate behavior shouldn't be among, among those who are in a covered relationship with me. So what's your point, Dave Wilcoxon? The same should be true of a relationship between a godly mother, Fred, and her children. Certain behavior of a child toward a mother should not be. To do so is mother misuse. Mother misuse is not the same as mother abuse. Abuse is a crime. Misuse is disgrace. Four characteristics of mother misuse I want to share with you. Here you have to check yourself. If she is your border, then you're probably guilty of mother misuse. In other words, you're grown, but you're living in her house. If she is your banker, you may be guilty of mother misuse. She is your financial backup plan. In other words, people quitting jobs when they know they need a job because they don't like what's going on because they know they can always go to mama's house. If she is your best friend forever, BFM, you might be guilty of mother's misuse. See, with your best friend, you can be on a first name basis. She is your mutual associate. No, mama is mama. And mama deserves to be respected as mama. You don't high five mama. You don't say any kind of language with mama. You don't call mama girlfriend. Mama is your mama. Not your friend. And here's a heavy one here. If she is your babysitter, you might be guilty of mother misuse. I don't mean occasionally going out after you've asked. I mean having her to assume parental responsibility. I need to say something. Let, let, let me kind of deal with this now. If you're a mother, let your children raise their children the way they want to. Don't correct them. That's not your responsibility. 
Now, if you at the house by yourself, that's different thing. If they don't have them kids to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, don't you do it. Let them raise their kids the way they want to. They'll have to pay for it. That's not your responsibility. Because what you're doing when you do something that they have not done, you're circumventing their authority. You didn't have them. They did. It's their responsibility to raise them. And even though I don't agree with it, I don't agree with some of the dresses y'all wear. I really don't. But you got a mama. If she don't tell you that too much cleavage is showing, it ain't my business. If she don't tell you that the dress is too short, it ain't my business. I still don't like it. <laughs> if it's too tight, it's too tight. But it ain't my business. See, I'm trying to warn you because, see, mother of misuse has an effect. There's something it causes. First of all, it causes shame. Sometimes you use mama and some things happen and mama just walks around in shame. She'll never deny it. But she ain't proud of some of the things that's being done. The second thing that mother misuse because, and I've seen it often, Eva, is guilt. At funerals, you ain't did right by mother during her lifetime. And at funerals, you want to make a show. You want to crawl all over in the coffin. You want to cry louder than anybody else. That's because you are guilty because you didn't do what was right when she was alive. And the third thing it will cause is division. You know, I told you, and Anne will be a witness. I've seen people who wouldn't even go to the funeral because of some other sister and some other brother or something they have done. And don't even speak today. My best friend, fishing buddy, James By, when his mother died and his father married another woman, they didn't speak for 12 years. Till his father died. Mother misuse will cause division among the family. So what shall we do if we are guilty? Number one, apologize. Some of y'all before this day end need to go to your mama and say, Mama, I am sorry. Number two, remember. Remember all the hardship she went through to get you where you are. Number three, honor her. Not just on this day. And number four, don't tell, show. You can say I love you all day. You can 
send cards. You can pick out the prettiest one in the store. But it don't mean nothing if it's not in the heart. You see, the mother of Zebedee was only guilty of trying to do for her children. And get this, her purpose was to get them closest to Jesus as she could. And even though she misunderstood and misinterpreted the kingdom, her desire was to get them close to Jesus. She was a great mother who followed Jesus even after Jesus had died. She listed as one that went to the tomb to know his body. She raised her son to be godly men. And they were. Jane became the head of the Christian church. Again, was beheaded for his faith, but he was instrumental in Paul's missionary journey to the Gentiles. John, known as the beloved disciple, wrote five books of the Bible. The more popular one is the book of Revelation. On a salt mine where wounds after he had been boiled to all with all never healed. And as he was digging the salt, he was in constant pain. We are able. Yeah, you're going to do it. In spite of their misuse of their mother, God used them. And I'm encouraging you to know that God can use you today. He used three mothers in my life that made me what I am today. Grandmother Lily, who prayed constantly for me. Mama Wilcoxon, who supported me beyond any of my imagination. And my wife, whom God used to complete my salvation. All three of my mothers wanted me to get closer to Jesus. And I did. So, through your mother's life or through her death, she has a desire that you get closer to Jesus. Grant her that wish today. Can you stand now? I can remember distinctly over 65 years ago my grandmother prayed that I would be who I am now. And even though I remember stealing from her, misusing her, she prayed for me. So there may be some here wondering, how can I make this right? By getting close to Jesus. And here's how you do that. This simple prayer. 
for those who are not saved today will get you closer to Jesus. Can we read it together? Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, whom he raised from the dead. I confess that you died for my sin. Please have mercy on me and forgive me and come and live within me this day. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.